welcome to this week's episode of A Sip Down Memory Lane. I'm Olivia. I'm Emma. And today we have a special guest, Dixon, here with us. Hi. Hello. Today Dixon's going to be sharing some stories about women who have inspired him in his life. Yes. I'm going to do a quick introduction of Dixon. So, Dixon has a magnetizing personality. It is really hard to not like him. He is kind and loyal. It was super easy for me to fall in love with him. And he's passionate and fun. Plus, he's the best dad to our little baby, Liesl. And since, you know, I'm his wife, but Olivia's his sister, Mm -hmm. she's got some fun things to share about him as well. Yeah. Just here's some things I think you should know about Dixon. Number one, he literally just taught himself how to play, like, five different instruments <laughs> is that true is it five i don't know he can kind of I can't, play anything well that's i don't i don't consider some of the ones that i like don't play well to but have. you still play them um also he thrives when he's making people laugh that's like the best environment he could be in and i think that's adorable and he also was like actually a really good older brother <laughs> and still is not was <laughs> he still is and then this happened <laughs> and now everything's bad no it's uh it was good growing up with him he was always very like inclusive and wanted his friends to be my friends and i just think that's a cute thing so it's actually really funny because i tell the story quite often about how my friends just wanted to be your friends too <laughs> so that's kind of that's probably how that mostly well happened i had friends that were like we can hang out but you have to include olivia (laughs) and i was like okay i don't hate her so i'm okay to do that there's also that thing where like if a girl is trying to impress you she'll like go for your little sister too and be like all buddy buddy with her so that kind Uh of contributed a little bit gotcha (laughs) interesting that's an interesting dynamic all right well let's talk about what we're drinking today we are drinking dr pepper which was just the obvious choice for having Dixon on. Dr. Pepper is his drink of choice. And I actually don't know if I'd ever had Dr. Pepper until I met you. That's Um, really funny. All right, that's all I have to say about drinks. Why do you like Dr. Pepper so much? I mean, we grew up a fair amount of our childhood was spent in Texas, and I feel like that's kind of the the trope, right? Like people... (laughs) People from Texas drink Dr. Pepper and it was, I do, I do fancy me a good soda. So I, when I fancy me a good soda, I usually fancy me a Dr. Pepper soda. I think you're the most Texas loving of the Herzog children. Yeah, probably. I mean, so I don't, we haven't, you haven't talked about it really on the podcast, but so our parents are, they were born and raised in Northern California all of our older siblings, older than Olivia and I, were born in California. Our dad was in sales, so he, we moved around to a few different places. We lived in Florida for a long time. And uh, then we lived in Texas from the time that I was 10, you were eight, and onward till like high school. And our dad just moved recently. So. The rest is history. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like it's, I guess I just didn't feel like I had an identity associated with anywhere else that I had lived and I felt like I felt pretty at home in Texas like central Texas is cool at that point in time it was like real 
real rural, the part that we lived in, right? Like more rural, rural, rural. than now. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we live like 15 minutes drive to anywhere and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, I guess, but so that's why I like, I, I closely identify with that, but I guess yeah. I just like it. I mean, there are parts of Texas that I love and other parts that I don't love and so on. So cute. Well, what's everybody's most exciting thing that happened this week? Emma, let's start with you. My most exciting thing is that Liesl is being so cute and she's started dancing to music. <gasps> By dancing, we mean like bobbing up and down. Yeah, yeah. She's not like, With you know, seemingly no rhythm or yeah, control. She, she's not like <laughs> popping, locking, and dropping. I know. What she's is doing, <laughs> she's dropping, that's for sure. <laughs> what do you think people were picturing? I don't like, know. I, didn't, whole I just want people to know how, how not organized this dance is. Like, like she's whoa, not, whoa, whoa. She's, she's not, not like, dancing. There's no shoulder movement. There's no, no hips. She's a 10-month-old baby. I'm just saying. I don't she want... just does this like bouncing dance thing to music now, and it's so cute. Yeah. And yesterday she did a holding a bagel. Yeah. <laughs> that was so cute. That was really good. Um, How about you? My something exciting that's happening in my life is um, Ted Lasso season two. <gasps> Final season, right? <gasps> I, from what I understand, yeah. <gasps> what? I'm I not a producer, but I, I believe that's what I heard. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Heaven knows I try. <laughs> that's how that. I actually. That's like one of the only songs I. One of the only shows I watched that I don't know the theme song. Oh, really? It's all. my friend's son. Yeah, but it's like... Oh, <laughs> I'd like, like... You started singing, yeah. I like thought I knew it, but then I was like, wait. Oh, yeah, it might be all that you get. Yeah, I just couldn't remember all the right, words. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, well, my exciting thing is that I watched Shrinking on Apple TV. Great show. Which Dixon has been asking me to watch for... Months at this Imploring, point. Imploring, actually. Imploring. <laughs> Every time I see him, which is multiple times a week. Have you watched Shrinking? Have you watched Shrinking? <laughs> Seriously. And it's because, you guys know this by now, I'm a big Phoebe Bridgers fan. <laughs> I think I've talked about her like three times now. Um, but they have a Phoebe Bridgers reference in the show. And oh, episode really three, good. I think. I didn't or know two. that. I think Just it's, a quick it's one. further in than I thought. It took really? me a while to get to it, but. It's I already want to rewatch it. Yeah, I'm pretty positive you didn't only watch it because of the the four oh, no, seconds no, 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 of Phoebe no. Bridges references. Jason so. Siegel is like very weird looking, but sometimes I'm like, maybe I have a crush on him a little bit. <laughs> oh, too. I totally do. Yeah, he's one of those that you're like, I don't know if I should be attracted to you, but I definitely Yeah, am. like why? Because he's so like awkward in the show. But I think that's what it is. He's so yeah. endearing that it's like you can't help but... I think I just like funny looking people in general, though, like Adam Driver. (laughs) Listeners, just be aware. Olivia is single and looking for a really weird looking dude. You're funny looking in between the ages. Please feel free to send us your weirdest submissions. (laughs) I don't necessarily think that like Jason Segel and Adam Driver are like weird looking. Adam Driver is a little. (laughs) Well, let me finish. What I would say is that they're they're not like classically hot. When you think of someone who is classically hot, like who's the first person that comes to you, your mind? Minus Channing Tatum. Chris Evans. Yeah. Right? Like 
Yeah. Which, funny enough, I don't even really think... Mine's Brad Pitt, in case anyone's curious. Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> I was like, why are you chiming in? I don't know why I did I waited, but then I was going to interrupt you if I did chime in when I thought about it. <laughs> so then you interrupted me. So then I, I decided to spit it out. I'm sorry. I like that you said a, a man, though, too. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> funny enough, I'm not... I don't really find Channing Tatum that attractive. I understand why he's attractive. I am just not attracted to him. Good, because... I'm not sure I could look any different. I think you're dreamy. Thank you. You're welcome. Stop it, guys. Stop but yeah, Adam it. Driver is so cute. I think so, too. And my friends are finally, finally <coughs> seeing the light on this. But I was bullied for a while. All right, Dixon, tell us your story that you have prepared for us. So it's not... I mean, you guys probably are aware of how my brain works. Um if you ask for something pretty clear and concise, I'm still going to give you something kind of like off the wall and out of nowhere. So another fun fact about Dixon <laughs> is he has ADD. <laughs> yeah, no, so it's so it's not very Same. linear. I don't know if it, it, you we've talked about this a little bit. Um, Christopher Nolan directed a movie called Memento, and all the scenes like are they run in like out of order mm-hmm. as far as like like chronological and everything, and that's kind of how my brain works. Where like I'll get there eventually. I might get there. Three words in, I might have gotten there, I don't know, like yeah. 10 minutes ago, but um, I'll okay. get there eventually. So I wanted to talk about a couple different um, kind of professional mentors that I've had over the last few years. I, they So the two women that I've worked for in the past that um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about. I'm, I mean, so my experience like working and like I've had a bunch of different jobs and all that stuff. And I feel like. 50%, if not a little bit more than 50% of my direct managers have been female. And so Love that. When, when I think of like prominent women, when I think of like powerful women in theory, like, you know, people that had power in my life, um, it's pretty easy. I know a lot of people don't have the same like experience. And I know that a lot of people work for crotchety old men and have for their <laughs> entire lives. Like it, it's a thing. So, um, <laughs> So yeah, I a little bit of backstory. So I, so when I was eighteen, I moved out of the house. I, I moved from Texas up to Idaho. I went to school there for a couple semesters at a school BYU Idaho, where Liv graduated from. Um, I moved down to Utah after a couple semesters. Lived with a brother of ours for a couple months, and then got up my own apartment. Um, lived with a bunch of other random guys that were going to BYU, and then like. I kind of started the whole like, okay, I'm just like doing the whole grind thing. So like I worked at a bakery for a little bit. I worked at an old Navy for a little bit. I worked at a couple call centers. I did sales. I did, you know, a bunch of random things. And um, there were a couple, like I was at a point in time where I was living in a house with a bunch of other guys. I kind of cycled through some roommates. I was living with a few dudes in, in South Provo. We were living in like this, this nice little house. And anyway, like life was pretty good. Lost my job slash quit a job or two it was there was a lot of ways i was making money and like i just i was really in like the sales grind and i didn't i'm not like a big sales guy i don't have a lot of like self-confidence to be um good at it so i wanted to shake things up a little bit right i wanted to like shift from i was doing like call center stuff either customer service or call center sales and it was like i was kind of miserable that's around the time i met emma i we were friends we were more than friends, we started dating and like the whole 
spiel of it all, but... Well, the house that you were talking about, we were dating before you moved into Right. House. So when I say like that part of time, that part of my life, I think like the two years prior and the two years after. Yeah, that makes sense. Just because there are a lot of life things that... I mean, that, that was kind of... And that's why I feel like this story is kind of a big deal to me and like why this part of my life is a big deal to me because it was a pretty pivotal part of my life and I'll, I'll get to like missionary stuff and, and all that like in a minute but so one day I was like I had I didn't have a steady job I was working like part-time in this like wood shop that built crates which was honestly a pretty fun job it just didn't pay well and I wasn't like I didn't have a car I was like riding with a roommate who worked there it was like a whole I would talk about like grind right like I was just doing yeah, like the, the bare minimum yeah, yeah like it was the legality of things may have been a little sketchy. Yeah, I won't, I won't talk about any of like the, I won't drop any names as far as companies go because I have absolutely no idea. They This company was forced to relocate because they were in an area of town that was zoned for just residential and they were doing it out of their house and they had like 10 employees and so it was kind of like this weird thing. But one thing about the Herzog kids is we've got wacko work histories, man. Yeah. We, I feel like we've all had such strange jobs at one point. <laughs> Well, I mean, we're, 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 there's six kids in our family and <laughs> we are the children of two college dropouts. College was like, definitely like, you guys should go to college. You guys should go to college. But it wasn't super like, I don't know. Like, there were times when it was, there was a pretty clear path. There were times where it was a little bit more like, honestly, but if you can make money, like that's kind of more important, you know? So I feel like our family culture wasn't like, you'll get into the best school and you will <laughs> graduate and you will get a post-grad degree. And yeah. And sure. we weren't really pushed like that from a young age. So I feel like also you guys are just open to a lot of different things. Like for me growing up, I didn't realize what kind of options there were for jobs. And even like when I was at the airport this last week and I was ordering Wendy's, I was like, people work here. Like, <laughs> How did they get a job at the airport at Wendy's? You know, like I would have thought to work at an, a Wendy's outside of it. Like my mind just didn't mm -hmm. think about those things. Not that I had crazy, amazing jobs, but yeah, I feel like your family is just like, we'll take what we can get and you'll look all over for something, which is really cool because it opens up a lot more opportunity. Yeah. Unplanned, beautiful segue into like the next step. Right. So I was at this point where I didn't have a steady job. I was barely covering my rent. I was barely like living, you know, properly, barely like supporting myself. Um, and I was like, well, I need to make a change and I don't really know what I'm qualified to do. Cause I have, you know, 15 college credits and a bunch <laughs> of random work history that like lasted six months at a time and stuff like that. So I got on like a job searching website and I just typed in a bunch of random things like, okay, what do people do? Like office admin work? Like, that's cool. Are people secretaries? Like, what do you need to be to be a secretary? Like, what do you have to do? What do they get paid? Like, what are they, what are their hours like? Like, who can they work for? So I get online and I'm like, okay, what can I, what can I do? What's in the area? What's close to my house? Cause I still didn't have a car. Um, and like, what, you know, what are my opportunities? What, what will give me the best opportunities moving forward? And I saw a listing for, it was like a logistics coordinator, like a sales logistics coordinator for a solar company. People that don't know anything about solar companies, they're like door-to-door -door sales centric. Like, so they, they focus a lot on like actual door-to-door -door salespeople or, you know, 
lead setters, like people that like will go out and knock doors, be like, hey, do you want a salesman to come by and talk to you about solar and things like that? So because of that, a lot of companies out here are set up with like corporate HR and then like a totally separate, not really HR, but like a logistics team to support regional sales managers and like the guys that go out to random cities all across the country and get hired in random cities across the country um, for the summer while they're selling solar and things like that, like during their sales season. So this company that I was looking at was hiring for someone to just like help fulfill like uniform requests and like help arrange, you know, whatever the sales managers needed out in the field, like whether it was uniforms or like name badges or, you know, like company swag from tournaments or whatever it was like they were, they were trying to um, find someone to help with that. And I was like, well, I mean, I know how to ship stuff. I know how to do that. Like, <laughs> let's go see what it's about. And so I go in. I well, so I don't just go in. I submit my application <laughs> and my resume, and within like an hour, I get a an email back. Like, whoever the recruiter was um, was just like eager to get on the interview process. So um, what ended up happening is I was in Provo at the time. This office was in American Fork, which is like. 15 minutes by car and I didn't have a car and there is like a bus system out here, but it, at the time it wasn't that great and still not that great. Yeah. But at the time I, I would have had to take a bus out and then like either Uber across the freeway to like the other side of the freeway and, or I could have just walked or whatever. So I, I ended up borrowing a friend's car. Um, shout out Ethan, let me borrow his car to get that, shout out. to do that interview. Shout out. Um, so I go and it's in this really nice office building. And I'm like, cool. Like, this seems like a fancy place. Like I'd love to work here. Um, I meet like one of the, the nicest receptionists I think I've ever met in my entire life. There's a whole, I have a lot of stories of working with this girl in the future, but, <laughs> but she's super nice. It's like, she's kind of, we like joked about it a little bit, but she's like, you know how like a dog loves you uncondition unconditionally, like a like a golden retriever, <laughs> or just like a really cute, a really like lovely dog. That's kind of how this person like she was like Aww. genuinely like so friendly and was like that. never said a bad word about anyone. Um, never said a bad word. Honestly, never Probably. said a bad word either. I yeah. mean, like, <laughs> so she was super friendly. So I was like, oh, this is already like a really great experience. Like, this is cool. I got one name on the email and it was like, you're going to be interviewing with someone named Kirsten. And I was like, cool, like right on. Um, and they didn't tell me that I was actually gonna be interviewing with two people. Um, so Kirsten was the director of this department um, and did a bunch of stuff with all of the regional sales managers and a lot of the executive teams and, and all that. And then the manager underneath her that like kind of managed the day-to-day -day operations. Um, her name was Cassandra. So basically I show up and I'm like, hey, I'm supposed to meet with Kirsten. And they're like, cool, just chill here for a second. And then two, um, very like, I mean, like my first impression was very type A people like come through this door and like greet me in this like little foyer area. And I was like, oh, immediately intimidated. So like, I do love people and I like talking and I like hearing my own voice, but in <laughs> interviews, I get really nervous, especially if I'm like, Oh no, these people are going to see right through me. They're going to know that whatever experience I thought I had is not legitimate. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, what did you, well, you worked in a wood shop before this? Like what makes <laughs> you think that you're going to be good at this job? And so we sit down in the interview and so Kirsten, I'm, I don't know, there's like a whole lot of history. Like 
from that day moving forward. But in this interview, Kirsten is very like, she's very business. It was in her office. It was her desk. She was the one kind of like leading the interview and she wasn't giving me any like, like physical cues that she was like mm. receiving the questions well or, or the response yeah, as well. She's scary. just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like very like matter of fact, like, okay, cool. There's nothing worse than like cracking a joke in an interview and then they're just like staring at you and you're like, yeah. So anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the, what happened next. I, we, we got through like two questions and uh, it was like, how do you find a job? What makes you think you'd be good at it? And like things like that. And uh, I was like, I've got to crack a quite like a crack a joke right now. Like <laughs> I have to really like soften this room up a little bit because the other manager that was with her, Cassandra, was just kind of like sitting there observing. Like she wasn't really like leading any part of the interview at that point. Um, and I was just like, oh my gosh! Like I wore a, I intentionally wore an old navy sweater, crew neck sweater over my button up because I knew I was gonna be sweating so bad. <laughs> I was going to be pitting through whatever shirt I had underneath. Was it your trustworthy maroon sweater? I still have the sweater to this day, and I'm hoping, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I Wait, isn't the maroon one? Yeah, it is. That one. But yeah, you had that sweater before we were even dating. And, and before that, I had a similar sweater. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I think we've come, We've and what, we're coming on six years of being together? Yeah. So, so what happened was... We got to a part of this interview where Kirsten was like, okay, so part of the responsibilities, yes, are fulfilling shipping orders and maintaining spreadsheets to make sure that we're like up to date on what managers have, what inventory, um, like little things here and there. It was all kind of like later on after working there for a while, it like um, the roles kind of changed and like people, whatever. So basically at the time she was kind of laying out what the job did. And one of the things she's like, okay, so our executives, our team of like five, you know, C-level people um, are kind of particular. They're kind of like some of them are a little bit more high maintenance than others. Um, some of them are pretty laid back. But one thing that they all decided on is they want someone to get them lunch every day. Like if they're in the office, they just want someone to go run their errands for them. It's not always like, you know, it. it's not always like a personal errand, but like, hey, just like every day around 11 shoot a text to all of them and see what they want for lunch. They'll all get the same thing. You go get whatever. And I made some stupid joke. I really don't even remember what exactly I said, but I was just like, okay, cool. So like there's five of them. So like five for them, one for me. Like, and I was like, Oh, five lunches for them. One for me every day. Like that's how it works. Right. And they like, for some reason laughed way harder than I thought they would. And I was like, Oh, they are enjoying their time. here. Like, this is, what a relief. And at that point, I don't think I've ever interviewed better for anything like this interview nowhere near as good as what i was doing in that office and it was like you just needed that little taste of validation then you exactly were to go. exactly my self-confidence was like through the floor and then i cracked one joke and they laughed and i was like i'm i am like exhibit a yeah. exhibit a of you thriving when people are laughing yeah, yeah. exactly i will say because i have interacted plenty with kirsten and cassandra and they are really awesome at validation mm -hmm. <laughs> like if you want to feel like really good about yourself they will but you know that they're only doing that because it truly is how they feel they, and they were trying to feel out the whole situation right like they were trying to be like they were trying to be business because they thought i wanted to be business and so when they realized that i had this side of me aka like all of me that's just not serious <laughs> like it it really softened everything up like we were able to kind of chat a little bit more I was able to be a lot more candid with like the questions that they asked 
um like they would ask kind of the the typical run-the-mill questions like what makes you think that you would excel in this position and i'd be like do you want to know like like what do you want to know like do you want to know like my self-confidence you want to know like past experience like what do you so we were able to like have an actual like pretty nice conversation then cassandra got involved she had some questions that she wanted to ask and then we but i could tell like after that meeting so as the meeting was wrapping up they were like you know when you can tell i don't know if you guys have ever had like a really great job interview but it was like they did everything shy of like offering me the job on the spot there's like cool we have other interviews like we'll get back to you i'm like cool but it was like it was really cool chemistry because it was not me coming in like oh it's a bunch of women i can i can outpower them or outmaneuver them or like leverage myself this job like and i think that i mean i'm i'm a pretty big dude and so i think that it sometimes if i come off a little bit more on the side of like oh i'm gonna get what i want then like it kind of is amplified by my size or like my beard or whatever like some of those like weird overly masculine things that like i do possess but like i'm (laughs) i'm not like that but i know your size and like the fact that you've got this beard and everything which it's like the best beard ever it is very deceiving to look at dixon and a lot of people will think like oh big dude but it doesn't take very long for you to be like, oh, no, this guy is a softy. That's like the yeah, only thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm soft. I'm like Mr. Beta. <laughs> like, I, I do not want all the power. That is not what I want Yeah, in my life. definitely nowhere near power-seeking, power-hungry. Like, not even words that you could think of when thinking about you, even professionally. Yeah. It's just this big bearded guy walking up and then he starts talking and he's just like, hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. I mean, yeah. at the time I was like, I was 300 pounds. I'm 6'2". <laughs> we don't need to wearing, put numbers on this. I was this. wearing boots that were like, that gave me an extra <laughs> inch. So I was like feeling, I was feeling like, man, I could either, I could go to this job interview. I could go like chop down a large tree, <laughs> um, start some fires, you know, like, I don't know. Like there were a lot of, but I, yeah. So it was cool to like to watch the the feeling in the room and like the vibe in the room, like immediately shift and change. And at that point, cause I think like when it comes to interviewing and this is something that I learned from them, like moving forward and, and they ended up offering me the job. I ended up taking it. I ended up working there for about a year and then I left to go serve a two year mission for the church. So um, it was in, and that was kind of like the first thing that they taught me in, in the sense of like, okay, the better you can connect with the person that you're trying to work with, whether it's an interview or a meeting or some sort of like collaborative process, like you don't have to always like break the ice with a joke, but like the more real you can be, the quicker you can get to like the actual problem solving questions. I think that 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 was probably the first thing that I learned from them. And, and that kind of, I don't want to take like five hours, like explaining my whole relationship with them because there were a lot of like, a lot of things that I learned and with any manager style, with anyone that you work with, like on a daily basis, like I would literally, so Cassandra would receive assignments from Kirsten and then Cassandra would like dish them out to me and other members of the team. And that the team kind of fluctuated while I was there. But um, by the time I left, I was, I was one of the more quote unquote senior people on the team. And um, so I'd worked a lot with both of them. I had taken assignments from both of them individually and like with, manager styles there are always things to nitpick right there are always things that i can be like oh well cassandra didn't do this and i want to do this or kirsten did this and i want to do this it's like you'll always see that and honestly 
amplified if you're working with someone close. Um, but they did a lot of really cool things. They, they knew that I didn't have a lot of like corporate work experience. Like I was doing sales stuff before and then I was in a friggin' wood shop. So it's like, yeah, I didn't know how to like manage the politics of like a multi-million dollar like corporate office. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I interacted with a lot of different people. Like I would, we would help plan company events. We would do stuff like sort mail. Like we were interacting with people in the office and trying to like establish connections with them um, throughout my whole time there. And so it was some of the stuff that they like counseled me on, like, Hey, like, I know people piss you off, but like, you can't, you can't back talk. You can't like complain about this person or like, you know, that kind of stuff where it's like, Oh, this whole, like the idea of like corporate infighting or like infighting in a company or whatever it is, like can be crazy toxic. And, and some of their, some of their actions like personified, like, Hey, although people around us are crazy and like are super high maintenance and all that stuff, like you just can't, you can't stoop to that level. And if you have change it, and if you find yourself going back to that place, like change it, like you, that's, it's all going to kind of stop like with you, like you've got to be that gauge for yourself. And then they taught me valuable things. Like I say they, I mean, it was, it was kind of a mixed effort. They're, they're like best friends. Like they still, they don't work together anymore, but they, like last I heard, they're still like BFFs and I talked to them a couple <laughs> weeks ago. So it's like, it's, they have a good relationship. So a lot of the times it was like one hive mind, right? So like they're different people, they have different personalities and different ways of tackling the projects. But if Cassandra was telling me something, I knew that either Kristen was going to defend her or Kristen had told her, you know, from the beginning. So like whatever it was, <laughs> I was answering to both of them. But I was one time specifically, Kirsten was like, hey, um, you're doing a lot. And I'm grateful for that. Um, you're like, we can give you more. Um, and that's, you know, awesome. You can, you can handle more. So I want to do that. After a few weeks, I was kind of actually running myself a little bit thinner than I thought. So like a few weeks of her, after her, like giving me this extra workload, she's like, Hey, not saying you're doing a bad job, but I think that if we divide up your stuff and give you a little bit less, you're going to be, we're going to utilize you a lot better. And I was like, okay. So I took that, like, that was like pure, like captaining the ship kind of thing. So it was cool to like, see someone just be like, Hey, I know that I like gave you all this confidence boost two weeks ago when I gave you this new assignment, but you know, we need to recorrect and, and shift things up. I actually really think that's admirable of both of them. Like that's super hard to do as a manager. Like it appears to be easy to just like observe those that work under you and adapt to their needs, but it's really hard. It's a really hard balance to like want to push them, but also be aware of their limits. And you also want to hold them accountable for like the things they commit to. Right. But, but when you're working with like young people who have limited, limited experience, such as yourself in that position, I think that's really cool that they were able to, see that and make those changes and it was like not a big deal it's not like hey you're doing a bad job so this is the consequence it's just like hey this isn't working for you and that's okay yeah and i think i mean a lot of the times in in like corporate settings you do get that like you get a promotion so they're paying you more but with that comes a lot more criticism of the things that you're actually um, producing like the work that you're actually completing and sometimes you see someone get a promotion 
a pay raise, more responsibility, and they fail at that and they just get fired or they get, you know, mm-hmm. they get chopped off with layoffs or, you know, anything like that. And so it's like, yeah, you see that a lot, actually, a lot more than you'd think, especially in like this company was a, a successful startup. So they had started like a few years before they still had this like startup mentality, but they're making millions of dollars a year. So it was nice because like you had a revenue like stream, but you also had people that, you know, in a startup, it's like you're either here to grind or you're going home, you know? And so it's a little bit more like a sports team where it's like, hey, we love you. I have no hard feelings towards you, but you're not performing. Like you're not selling or you're not doing this or we're we're shifting the, you know, the nature of your team. So we're just going to let two people go or like that kind of thing. You know, stuff like that happens all the time. And to see it not as a punishment, but like, all right, maybe you need a few more months here before we give you more stuff. Cause this all happened within like three months. So I, mm-hmm. I started working there in the spring by summer. They were already like telling me like, yeah, we want to give you more stuff because we think you deserve more money. And that's kind of how it works. Right. Like they weren't going to be like, we want to give you a raise, but they're like, Hey, maybe at some point in the future, if you want to ask for, I don't know, somewhere in this range of money <laughs> more, you know, and you were to tell me that like, you had other options, like we would have to negotiate at that point. So they're like, they're coaching me kind of like, you know, off the clock, like as my friend, like, just want to let you know, this is how you get more money in this kind of environment, or this is how you settle into a job that you actually want to be in long-term in this environment. We're not telling you exactly what to do. We're not going to like be your mom and like tell you how much we love you and just tell you that you should go do everything you want to do. It's like, no, we're going to be real. We're going to tell you what we think you're good at. But also we're going to give you a little bit of like, you know, some of those resources to like at least start asking, you know, like, okay, this is something you should probably go to HR with or like mm-hmm. this is something you should come to me for or like that kind of thing. So, well, it's just a great sign of good management because not even just good, great management, because it is so easy for people to just be like immediately harsh on either end, right? That like, you're amazing. We love you. And then all of a sudden, like you suck. And I know that in that company, there were people like that. So to have this really healthy pocket that you were in surrounded by a less healthy environment (laughs) is really cool and says a lot about who they are as people because they care about their employees doing well And as a manager, you have to make sure that your employees are doing well and you have to make sure that they're feeling comfortable and you have to make sure that they are performing to their highest ability. And not just that that's like, okay, let's do this so that you're better. It's like, I know what you are capable of. And so I'm going to pull that out of you and it'll take, there are going to be maybe some bumps in the road, but we're willing to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And it was cool to be dating you at that time and hear all these things going on. It's been a long time since I've thought about this. So to hear all this again, it's like reminding me of how how happy I was that you were in that situation and how proud yeah. I was of you for growing. But then also realizing like that had so much to do with the people who were in charge of you. Yeah. There, and there are two things that I really like. I learned really quickly on my own that there is a lot of overturn in corporate environments where you know, someone's boss, whether it's your direct boss or someone's boss above you is, is kind of uptight about that kind of stuff. Someone that the kind of bosses that like go into your office and yell at you for not getting something to them at a specific time, 
you know, whether it's something tangible, like, hey, you didn't get me this this file or this box of stuff by 3 p.m. And I have a meeting at 3.15 and like, how freaking dare you show up late with this? Like, this is important to me. You know, stuff like that would happen in, in companies like that. And I, don't, I don't really want to talk about that company specifically because I still know people <laughs> that work there. But like previous ownership or previous management, like that was kind of the nature of it. Like, no, we're here to get stuff done. I do not care about your feelings. Like, I really don't care. And so one, to see turnover because of that, to see people like coming and going and like finding different jobs or different, you know, whatever, like switching companies um, because they're just like, I don't want to show up to work and get, you know, like berated every single day. Like, that's not fun. No one wants that. So I would, I would observe that from afar and be like, well, that's not my situation at all. In fact, sometimes I feel the most comfortable in like my boss's boss's office, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. technically Kirsten was not necessarily my boss directly, but like I would go to her and be like, Hey, you're like just a really nice sounding board for some ideas that I have, or just, you know, problems I've been experiencing. And I need someone to tell me like, I'm being crazy or I'm getting too caught up. And more often than not, she's like, you're putting yourself into this too much. Like you're an hourly employee, dude, this is not your life. Like we had conversations about work-life balance. She's like, it's 5 p.m. Why the hell are you still in my office? Like go home. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, no, it's fine. She's like, no, 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 no. Like the second you start doing that, you're going to start staying till 5.15 or 5.30 or, or 6. And the executives are going to see that and they're going to want that out of you. They're going to be like, oh, let's get, every, let's get him for every minute that he's worth, right? Let's, let's get 20% more productivity in each day kind of stuff. And she would be like, nope, I'm capping you. Like you're going home. Like- mm-hmm. That's it. We love boundaries. Yes. Yeah. And there were, I mean, in, in high stress work environments like that, there are people that are like, oh, because there was also a, a culture of like, oh, we don't want to pay overtime. So you better work your 40 hours, but everything better get done. And there were some nights where it's like, well, sorry, we onboarded 200 employees this week. And so we have to like stay late to make sure that all their uniforms get shipped out. But, you know, we can't, sorry, we can't do overtime. So it's like, I don't know. Do you stay clocked in? Do you clock out and work another 10 minutes? Like that kind of thing. That was always, and it was never pushed from my managers. It was always like from me being like, I want to get this job done before I go to bed. I think it's cool because the, the things that you're describing as some of their biggest strengths are also things that are often criticized coming from women in an office environment. Is that they're, they're a little too much into the feelings or they're a little too, emotional or they don't have as much assertiveness as they can have (laughs) and like I think that's a great example of how those qualities can actually be extremely effective even in like a huge organization yeah and what that is perfectly in line with what I was going to say because there were other relationships with like female management or like you know, female employee to female employee kind of like interactions that felt strained or it was like, it's kind of this power grab because we work with really emotional men. We work with really high strung men. So are we going to play their game and play into this? And some people did. And some people were kind of like the, Hey, this person's my enemy, but I'm taking the sides of this more powerful person, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm going to stoop to their level, but I'm also going to take sides that are going to, they're going to be advantageous for me in my career path. And so you saw some of that. Not a lot of it, definitely not like super dramatic, but um, you saw little pieces here and there and to see that like my, both of my bosses and like everyone has their moments, right? They were at times when I heard both my bosses kind of like express frustration or maybe, you know, say some words about someone that they knew a lot better than I did. So I'm not going to be like, 
how dare you talk about? I don't know. It's just that kind of stuff. But I mean, that's normal. That's just a, a work environment, right? If you're <laughs> yeah. if you're all stressed and in the same building for more than a couple hours at a time, you're gonna hate some people. Like that's just a fact. Yeah, so. and it doesn't mean, matter if you like them. Yeah, like you still will end up probably hating them at some point. <laughs> I mean, I'm I definitely am in a very imperfect person. I have a lot of regrets. I mean, I was 21 when I was working there, so like even the jump from like 21, 22 to like. 26 years old right now like i look back and i'm like wow i was an absolute idiot like there were some things i said that probably offended people more than i realized or there were some things that i did that probably had much more toxic effects or like ripples kind of moving forward but um yeah but like to see my bosses specifically be like more pretty level-headed right like you know very aware of the situation and like honestly sometimes like we would all get passionate about things. And sometimes I'd bicker with my manager or whatever. And I had to realize I'm like, well, we're also friends. So like, maybe this is more of my friendship side of this coming out. So like, I should, like there was, there were, there was a specific time that I can think of where I was under a lot of stress and she added something to my plate. And I kind of, I don't know. I didn't like back talk, but I just like had this look on my face. Like, why are you doing this to me? And she looked, she immediately picked up on that. She's like, what are you, I'm telling you as your boss right now. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, wow, how dare I? <laughs> how dare, like, if you were a male and you were yelling at me, I would have like this deep down response that would be different. But mm-hmm. the fact that you're a female and she was closer to my age than Kirsten was. And, and, you know, we had this like, it was very brief and it was immediately like, I was like, wow, I was so out of line. But that's also based on the respect I had, right? I know, I know of other people that work for people, male or female, right? Where if the respect isn't there for their boss, when they add that extra thing to their plate, that's going to push them over. A lot of the times they're, some people quit. Some people just don't do it. Some people like actually talk back to their boss and it's like a real dramatic thing, but having like a, like a mentor to kind of like build that respect up first. Mm-hmm. So that way, if I am frustrated or if I am being stupid and I'm a 21 year old dude, who's like pride is way too big and like ego is way too inflated. Like their mentorship, some of those things they taught me is what's going to like remind me that I'm nothing kind of, you know, like I should really step back in the line. So everything you just said, I feel like emphasizes even more the point that Olivia brought up where again, in the workplace, in life in general, women are too emotional or can't be trusted or whatever. But one thing that I know from you working at this company is that the men in that place were so emotional. They were so over the top. And you're like, you're being exactly what you're telling women that they are and that you don't like about them. But the women that you were working with weren't like that. And they, I mean, you're human, so you're going to have emotions and that's okay. But it has been really cool to see how that has helped you in the rest of your jobs. And it's just this system thing where men are taught these things and they're allowed these things. And so then when they are in high up positions, they're total jerks and they're yeah. so demanding and they're so upset about if this doesn't work out or this doesn't work out and they aren't level headed, which is how you described your managers. And I think that's really helped you in all of your situations. Like with your job now, you've been able to handle some things very professionally and you've been able to look at, okay, maybe this is not something that I go to my boss about. Maybe this needs to be resolved with this different, these different people in the company, right? That 
you have a much better awareness of who you are, where you are, and where you should be within a workplace. And I do, I, I don't want to speak too, like, matter of fact about what it was like to be a female working under men there mm-hmm. at that specific company, because I, I do know females that have worked there, some that worked there up until, like, very recently. Um, and I just don't know that much about their experience or, or what kind, because there were people there were male employees that I struggled with my entire time there. So I'm sure other people struggled with their entire time there. Um, and especially because, I mean, my, my bosses were also pretty well respected among certain like high level managers. Um, and so sometimes I got a little bit of a pass too, because one, I always kept my head down and like kept working. And I was always like, <laughs> I was like sweating most of the time because I was either like moving boxes or like running people's lunch back and forth or like moving chairs or tables or whatever. Like I, I did a lot of like physical, like logistic, hey, let's move these things to this place or let's like fold these shirts and put them on this shelf. And so um, a lot of times people could see that I was like physically involved in what I was doing. And um, I don't know what what it was like necessarily to work in different departments. I don't know what it was like to work for people who uh, were more respected. I mean, there, there were other managers there that did a great job and some managers that are still there that are, you know, higher than they were before. So, I mean, they, they have kind of embraced some of the healthier elements of, of that company culture, but that's just specific to that company. And I, I don't, I'm not an expert on all the female experiences at that company. <laughs> and I know there, there were a lot of really tough things that happened with some other people. Um, that worked there too. So definitely I'm not an expert, but from my vantage point, that was definitely what I saw, you know, it was working, you know, and, and, and it was, I, I guess one of the bigger reasons why I wanted to share that as, you know, like a, you know, my impactful women, I mean, there, there've been plenty of women that have like impacted my life positively, right? Like, um, you know, fiercely independent, individuals that like do their thing and like i i feel like to limit anyone's independence or anyone's like drive to be a go-getter or anything like that is is damaging if you try to like get in the way of that if it's male female or whatever like you know it's it's hard but but it was cool to like see some of those things that like i still practice that like came from like a one-on-one with a female superior and like that's i honestly like my current manager is a male and I've only had like a couple other male managers. <laughs> um, it's a much different experience. Like I, I would say like some of the softer, like, Hey, like, let me tell you that you suck at this, but like without being rude about it, like maybe being a little, ru- little rude about it, like to kind of like <laughs> motivate you, but like, I'm not going to bring the hammer down on you. A lot of that was personified more by the female managers than some of my male, my male managers since then and before then. It's interesting comparing your experience with these female supervisors to my experience with a male supervisor that I just super vibed with. I think that he had more of those quote unquote feminine leadership qualities, which is why we got along so well. (laughs) And like the lessons that he taught me, I still think of almost daily, like not every single day, but They definitely come up multiple times a week where I'm like, okay, I can handle this because I remember something I did with him that directly relates. And it's just really great that women were able to have that kind of effect on you. It is very long lasting. 
I think um, great leadership is um, not gendered. And I think that the reality of it is there are some of those like softer approaches or some of like the, um, if it's anything but like informing everybody of the plan and like getting on people if they're falling behind on the plan. Like there are some men that I've worked with that are really bad at that. At really bad at like only focusing on like getting things done. And if you're falling behind, that's on you and you've got to like pull your weight kind of stuff instead of like the truly like motivating someone to be better, like to, to like tap into the potential of someone um, or to honestly, to kind of gamble on it too. Like they hired me and they knew like 10% of what I was actually capable of. And the other 90, they like brought out of me, you know, mm-hmm. like that was, yeah. that's the big part too. And, and not saying that men can't be good leaders and that females are just, you know, crapped on in their leadership. Cause I, I know some pretty bad female leaders, not going to lie. And I know some really bad male leaders, like <laughs> it's just kind of how it is. But I think anyone that's willing to adopt both the firm approach when it's needed and like a softer approach and just like connecting with the individual and really trying to like amplify the good things and to let them know that it's totally fine to like absolutely delete the bad things from them. So, yeah. Yeah, I think because, I mean, like you said, there are good and bad male and female leaders all over and in any situation. But one of the reasons this is such a great conversation to have, especially while we're, you know, celebrating women this month, is the fact that it is more common for a woman to be misunderstood in the workplace. And it's helpful to have more men who do understand them or who are willing to understand them because it can be really scary when you as a woman are and this is any sort of woman biological transgender it doesn't matter a woman in the workplace is treated so differently and has different expectations and whether it's the people at the company setting up those expectations or just society in general there's constantly this feeling of like having to break down barriers as a woman in the workplace. And it's not very fun, but it is awesome to have, again, supportive men who can open up some doors. So I'll just say one thing, kind of one more thing to wrap up, like I guess the story side of it, if that's okay. I uh, I mentioned earlier about like serving it to your mission and I went directly from that job to, I went home for a few days and then I left for Columbia and was there for 13 months and then i mean my mission's a whole other story too but (laughs) um i would say that as a missionary the way that we did missionary work in that area of the world was like i i benefited much more personally from those like softer approaches I, i i say softer approaches really it's just like the more interpersonal approach rather than like the more organizational or task driven approach because a lot of the interactions I had with other missionaries or missionary leaders down there, um, whether they were North American, whether they were South American, whether they were European, like they, there was this general sense of like, we are here to accomplish a goal and there is no sympathy and there might be some empathy, but if we don't really understand the empathy, like whatever, but there's like no sympathy. Right. So it's like, you know, 
we have goals and we, we accomplish these goals. And if we don't have these goals, then we're not living up to our ex or sorry, if we don't accomplish these goals, then we're not accomplishing what God wants us to be doing. And it was a lot of like this guilt. And the only way that I was able to escape that, like getting wrapped up in that wholeheartedly. And I did to a fair amount, get wrapped up in that. A lot of it was thinking back to like some of my female mentors and like how they didn't act like that. They were just like, Hey, this needs to be different. I don't hate you. I don't have any, I actually don't have any issues with you. And in fact, I want you to be happy after this conversation, <laughs> you know, like, let's just like talk about what needs to be different. And that was the only, I feel like that's a, a big part of the only reason I, I wasn't wrapped up in this huge, like ego driven, more like, again, like more like the sports team mentality where like, if you're, if you're with us and you're performing, you're my friend. And if you're not, sorry, you're off the team kind of thing. Yeah. So. Do you feel like since working for these two wonderful women that it has changed the way that you interact with women in general? I would say, yeah, it's, it's added to that for sure. I mean, I, again, at the same time I met them and worked with them. Um, I was dating Emma. I was getting more involved in her life. I had other friends, female friends that were independent or kind of fed up with the patriarchy that society has kind of established. And, and so I think that, yeah, like they were absolutely a part of it. Were they the main part of it? Probably not. I'd probably attribute more our relationship, um, you know, you and I or relationships with like my sisters or things like that a little bit more just because of, you know, experiences over time. Um, but yeah, like, especially, I mean, I feel like they, cause people who don't have a lot of experience working for women, I feel like feel a little bit more uncomfortable in situations like that. Um, and just kind of taking the situation for what it is like, cool person, a, whether male or female is, you know, my boss or my coworker or whatever. Um, so I guess just like working and depending on and relying on more women in a different setting than what I was used to. Right. Like relying on them more as like, I go to them when I need help or when I need them to help me fix a problem or, you know, that kind of thing. So I have one more question and as we have mentioned many times, Dixon and I have a daughter and she's perfect. What qualities have you seen in the women that you've interacted with in your life that you hope to teach your daughter, our daughter? <laughs> no, I do all the teaching in our relationship, actually, <laughs> in case anyone's curious. I'm the sole educator and the sole proprietor of all information. Say with me. Patriarchy. Yeah, so actually, no, I, we didn't announce I'm actually a staunch um, patriarch. I thought that was completely irrelevant to this episode. So. This isn't, oh, okay. This staunch. is one of those. The word staunch is just amazing. I always use it in negative staunch. context. Um, it's never a staunch good thing, right? I'm never, never like, I'm a staunch gym rat. <laughs> <laughs> Staunch pickleball player. I'm a staunch, healthy eater. Like, <laughs> you just can't line some of those things up. Um, I think that being the parent of a daughter, although she knows like 20 things right now, um, I think it's it's imperative to instill a greater desire to be independent and a greater desire to really like self-improve on a daily basis if she's not constantly improving or constantly like trying to um really develop some of those like 
beneficial across the board, like leadership skills, people are going to misinterpret her. And so I think that, yeah, I, I think that independence, I think that um, self-awareness, I think that um, kind of like teaching her how to like floor the gas and floor the brake at different times in her life and in different situations. I will say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like some of the things that you love about me are that I am fiercely independent and that I go for the things that I want. And so hearing you talk about this again, giving another perspective is that it's finding, it's not about being quiet where you should be. It's about finding the best opportunities to be loud. Yeah. Cheers to that's, that. That's what I feel. I think we should start saying cheers to that when we agree to something because it's very drink related. It's a good idea. Cheers to that. Well, thanks, Dixon, for sharing all of your thoughts and your cool stories about women. Thanks. Thanks for being in our our Women's History Month of episodes as a man. We appreciate your perspective a lot. Yeah, it's helpful. I will say there was a lot of me that wanted to only have women on this yeah. month. But then I thought it would be really important to have a male perspective. And the reason that I think you were a great option for this is because you are sensitive to all sides of everything. And I thought it would be good for all people to be able to hear where you how you feel about things because it is open and honest and genuine and kind. And so it can be very motivating to all genders, all people. Thanks. Yeah. I love you. I love you too. I love you both. I love you guys. I love you both. I love love Dr. Pepper. I love talking to myself. I love (laughs) all of this. Thanks for listening to this episode of a sip down memory lane. Follow us on Instagram at a sip down memory lane and like and subscribe to our podcast if you want to be kind to us. And we'll talk to you next Thursday. Bye. 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 Does this sound okay? Do, 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 I think you should lean a, a little bit.